Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, thanks so much for checking this out. Uh, my name is Ethan. Super glad that you are here. We're in a series all about a man named David. Now, in, David had an incredible life. He had a lot of ups and downs. Um, he, he, was, he, was, he had a complicated life. It wasn't always easy. He had a pretty incredible resume. Uh, he, he was a shepherd. He was a songwriter. He was a warrior. He was a king. He did some incredibly wise things, and he did some incredibly dumb things. And the, the, the mother of Jesus, Mary, is a descendant from David's lineage. I mean, what an incredible life this man led. And he would go down in history as a great king and a man after God's own heart. But there was someone else in most of these stories, someone else in David's life who helped him along the way. Now, his name was Jonathan. Now, Jonathan was the, the son of, of King Saul and David's, well, his BFF. Um, the reality is, is this. History book books are full of amazing people who have done amazing things and they are remembered for it. Outside of even the Bible, open history books, you'll find person after person who've done amazing things. But rarely does history remember the best friend, right? I mean, maybe you have some, some famous duos, but the sidekick is quickly forgotten. But regardless of who was remembered, the person more than likely had a sidekick. I mean, you know, most famous people who are known in history had someone in their corner, someone they could turn to, someone who could help them. My point that I wanna make right now is this, People need people. You need people. You need community, but you need a friend. You need a friend. And, and my hope for today is for us to look at a moment, one moment uh, between Jonathan and David's friendship. I, I want to dissect it for a bit so we can get an understanding of what a healthy friendship looks like. So, just a little bit of backstory on David real quick. David was a shepherd um, who lived in a town, Bethlehem. Samuel, the prophet of Israel, showed up in Bethlehem to offer a sacrifice. Now Samuel uh, looked at Jesse's sons and called David. Uh, he said he's anointed, he's gonna be the future king of Israel. So Saul, who was the king of Israel at the time, was rejected by God because of his disobedience. Saul began to experience some spiritual oppression and uh, it was just a mess. And so some people around Saul said, hey, you need a musician. So David entered into the court to play some music for the tormented king and, and be quickly became, you know, highly liked and, and, and uh, you know, in the sight of King Saul. Now, David uh, alternated between life at the court and life with the sheep. Eventually, he was near the battlefield um, when he heard a man named Goliath insulting the God of Israel. Long story short, there were some stones, there were some rocks, boom, down goes the giant. And David is a hero to the nation. They see him as a hero. Um, so as David's popularity is rising, Saul's jealousy is also rising. And so we get to this point after a couple of encounters where 
Saul actually tries to chuck a, uh, a spear at David's face, which is not great. It's not a great thing to do to someone else. So we find David in the midst of a toxic and literal dangerous situation with Saul. Jealousy is all over Saul. Saul wants his kingdom to be his kingdom at all costs, and he wants to get rid of David at all costs. So, so David flees to Samuel at Naoth at Ramah to hide from Saul. But of course, Saul finds where he is and sends men to track him down and return him to Saul. So, so David runs again. And I want to take a, take a second to look at what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 20. It says this, starting in verse 1. Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan, Saul's son, his best friend, and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? Verse 2, Never, never, Jonathan replied. You are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. I don't know if Jonathan is optimistic or he's just a bit mm, forgetful. Maybe he forgot the fact that Saul chucked a spear at David. I don't know. But for some reason, Jonathan's like, listen, he's not going to kill you. You're fine. Everything is going to be fine. But verse 3 says this, but David took an oath and said, your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. We're buds. Your father knows that. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there's only a step between me and death. He says, listen, your father knows we're friends. Why would he tell you that he's going to kill me? He would keep that from you. So Jonathan said to David, verse four, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. So like maybe you and your best friend in high school, they begin coming up with a plan. Now maybe your plan wasn't very smart. I know a lot of my friends and I planned some plans that were pretty dumb, but they come up with a plan and it's, it's not a bad plan. They realize that the next day is the new moon feast, which means a couple things, but it definitely means that David is supposed to be eating at the king's table in a specific seat, a very specific assigned seat. They realize, you know, if I'm not going to be there, if David is not going to be there, Saul would know something is up. He would know something is up. So verse 16 says this. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because, now take note of this, underline this, because he loved him as he loved himself. He loved David as much as he loved himself. So they came up with a plan. David would hide in a field. And since his seat at the new moon feast, excuse me, would be empty, Saul would wonder where he was. Now, Jonathan would give a solid excuse of where he was and they would see, all right, is Saul mad? Is Saul indifferent? What's his response? When Jonathan found out his father's response about David, either anger or indifference, Jonathan would then shoot three arrows all right. He would shoot three arrows where David could see and send a boy in a specific way to fetch those arrows. They were making a secret code. All right. If I do this, if the boy does this, that means everything is good and you can come back. If I do this and the boy does this, it means that my dad is still very mad and you should not come back. Verse 24 says this. So David hid in the field and when the new moon feast came, the king sat down to eat. 
He sat in the customary place by the wall opposite Jonathan Abner next to Saul. But David's place was empty. Saul said nothing that day for he thought something must have happened to David to make him ceremonial unclean. Surely he is unclean. You know, maybe he's just unclean. That's why he's not here. Makes sense. We'll see him tomorrow. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. Then Saul said to his son, Jonathan, why has it the son of Jesse? He cannot, he is so jealous at this point and so angry. He cannot even call David by his name. Why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal either yesterday or today? So, so it's, it's on. This is the plan coming out right now. Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town. And my brother has ordered me to be there. If I find if I found favor in your eyes, let me get away to see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. Solid excuse, right? But look what happens in verse 30. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan and he said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. He's mad at Jonathan at this point. He's, 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 he's calling him names. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me for he must die. So this is the plan in real time. They had the plan. He wasn't there. Let's look at Saul's response. It's either going to be indifference or anger, and it's anger. Verse 32, why should he be put to death? What has he done? This is Jonathan asking his father, what has David done that he should die? Verse 33, but Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him, his own son. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Yeah, of course. If he's wanting to kill David and he'll even kill his own son, of course he will kill David. So Jonathan does what he says and signals to David that Saul is still very angry. He shoots arrows in a very specific way. The boy goes and gets them in a very specific way. After the code was sent and the coast was clear, they have a chance to meet up. Jonathan and David. And this is what happens. Verse 42. Jonathan said to David, go in peace. For we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to the town. We see a lot of traits in Jonathan that, that I and, and I would assume you would want in a friend. Jonathan was willing to do what was necessary for David. He was willing to protect and defend David, you know, I, I believe that there's a lot of things that we can learn, not just in this, this moment, but multiple moments in their, their friendship about Jonathan and David and about Jonathan. But I want to look at three specific things, three things that hopefully that, that you and I can begin to expect from a friend and hopefully three things that a friend can begin to expect from us. Now, if you're a, a middle schooler or a high schooler listening to this, this is so important. A lot of mistakes I made in my life were because I was listening to some terrible friends or I was even maybe giving some advice to some friends that, that they got in trouble for. And so if you're a student in the room, even a college student, um, this is important. If you're a parent of a student or a college student, uh, this is incredibly important. If you are an employee, a friend, whatever you are at this moment, 
this is important about friendship because we all need a friend. The first thing I want to look at is this. You need a friend who will put, put your needs before their own. You need a friend who will do that. You need a friend who you can call in your time of need and they will be there. Do you have someone like that in your life? Do you, think about it for a moment, do you have someone who could call right now and say, hey, I need help? And they would say, oh, I'm there. I mean, someone you can call when you have a flat tire that isn't AAA, uh, someone who you can call when you get that terrible news, someone who you can call when you're not really sure who to call. Not someone to abuse or use, but someone you can rely on. You know, I think the best compliment I, I could give someone or, man, if someone gave me this compliment, I would love it. Um, when people say this, oh, they would do anything for you. They would even give you the shirt off their back. That's the type of friend that Jonathan was. He would do anything for David. I want and I need someone like that. And I, I want and need to be someone like that. I want a friendship and need a friendship that you call me and I'm there. I call you and you are there. Galatians 6.2 says this, carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. There's, there's some weight to that. There's some sacrifice to that. There's some, some hardship in that. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one like this to lay down one's life for one's friend. Do you have a friend like this? Are you a friend like this? The second thing I want to talk about, Jonathan was this, but, but uh, to, to, for a good friendship to be healthy and strong, you need a friend who will fight for you. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about we'll get in a fist fight, you know, for you, but maybe, maybe if that calls for that, I'm kidding, of course. You need a friend who will fight for you. Sometimes that means a friend who will defend you, defend your honor, defend your name. But sometimes it means a friend who will call you out when you are wrong. Those are two very different things, but they are both Good. In verse 8, David asked Jonathan, listen, if I have sinned, and this is one of the verses that I actually skipped over, but what he says is, hey, listen, if, if your dad is, is mad at me because I have sinned, then tell me. Actually, he says, kill me, but that's a little dramatic. Hey, if I've done something wrong and I'm just not seeing it, will you tell me? We need a friend. We need a friend who will push us, who will challenge us in some areas. If you're a Jesus follower, this friend is going to challenge you and push you to be more and more like Jesus. And that's a great thing. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, let me just say thank you for being here. And um, I'm glad that you're watching this. And it, it still applies. I mean, you need a friend who will push you to make better decisions, who will challenge you to be a better employee and spouse and parent and friend. I have a friend named Matt who is great at this. He, he's really good at pointing out areas in my life where I can grow to be more like Jesus and he does it and here's the point here's the biggest point of all this he does it in the most humble and encouraging and loving way possible it's not always fun it's not always fun to say hey this is an area where I think you can grow because it's like ah it's a little hit to my pride but I know he cares for me 
And that makes it okay. I know he cares for me and wants the best for me. And so when he says those things, it makes it okay. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from, from, from an enemy. Wounds from a friend, it means they love you and they want to help you and push you and challenge you to be more like Jesus, to be a better father, wife, spouse, husband, daughter, son, employee, neighbor, whatever it may be. They're pushing you to be more like Jesus in the way you make decisions, the way you respond to people, the way you talk to people. Do you have a friend like this who's willing to do this? Am I a friend who is willing to do this? And if you are doing this, are you doing it in a humble and loving way? Because that is necessary. The the third thing and the last thing about friendship and and Jonathan and David's friendship is, is, this is beautiful. Do you have a friend, because you need one, do you have a friend who is going to stick with you? You need a friend, I need a friend who is going to stick with you. Do you have a friend who is loyal? A friend who doesn't run away when, when life gets tough. You know, I'll admit this. I, uh, I like the Carolina Panthers, you know? And it's really easy. It's really easy to like them when they're winning. I mean, whatever sports team you follow, it's really easy to follow them when they're winning. But the minute they start losing, it's like, all right, I'm out of here. See you later. I'm not interested. You guys stink. Get, get me out of here. I'm not loyal. I'm not loyal like Jonathan was loyal to David. We need a friend who's not going to do that. We need friend, a friend who's not going to run away at the sight of something bad, at the sight of something terrible, at the, at the phone call of, of bad news. We need someone and we need to be someone who's going to stick around. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times, all times good and bad. Now that may come with with boundaries as all friendships do, but do you have a friend who is loyal? And are you a friend who is loyal? The passage we read said that Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Even when Saul, Jonathan's father, wanted to kill both of them, Jonathan stood by David's side. We need a friend who's going to stick around. We need friends who are going to stick around. And we need to be that kind of friend, a friend that you can trust and turn to in the good times and the bad. A great question that I, that I tend to ask myself a lot, and it's not something I, I invented. I kind of came up with it. It's something that I stole from, from a friend. And, uh, but it's a good question to ask yourself. And maybe your, your um, friend group or, or your, for your spouse, but specifically, it's a great question to ask for a friend. Ask yourself about a friend. And the question is this, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? When you answer that question in a specific situation or for a specific friend, it helps you come up with a pretty great Answer. I mean, as a friend, you can constantly be asking yourself, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? In this situation, in this place, with this person, what does love require of me? Maybe it means, maybe it requires me to inconvenience myself. Maybe it means uh, I'm going to challenge you in this area. I'm going I'm to push you to be better in this, 
area. Maybe it requires me to listen, to act, or to speak. Maybe it requires me to create some healthy boundaries. This question is important because it's actually a response of the gospel. Because what Jesus has done for us by dying on the cross, cross, we can honor that relationship that we have with God by by having healthy relationships with our friends. Because God, he asked the question, what does love require? So he sent his son and Jesus asked the question, what does love require? And so he hung on a cross for our sin. As a response, we can say to a friend, what does love require of me? And then respond that way. Will you pray for me, with me? God, thank you for everyone hearing my voice right now. I thank you for loving us so much that you would send your son to live and to die for our sin so that we may have a right standing relationship with you. God, we want to be good friends and we want to have good friends. So I pray for everyone hearing my voice that they would take steps into being a great friend and they would take steps into finding a good friend like Jonathan. Find a friend who is loyal, who will protect, who will challenge, who will encourage us. God, thank you for first loving us so that we may know how to love others. In your sons and me pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.